Good morning, good news. How was everyone? I'm not sure. Say it. Let me, let me say it again. How was everyone? All right. Good, good, good. Little man left. I love the way he walked on stage like he owned it. Did you see that? I love that. Well, um, it's, it's strange doing three services. Uh, how many like doing the same thing constantly over and over? Like you're, you're want somebody a pattern, right? I'm not. So I always want to change the message a little, but we're going to stick to the plan. But, um, I do have some things that I want to share with you guys. Um, this is not a vision weekend, but I do want to kind of give you a, a picture of a couple of things. First of all, I want to share a little bit of who I am. Some of you guys know me as a, a youth pastor, a young adult pastor, ministry teams pastor, or leadership development pastor. But those were roles, and uh, I'd, I'd rather you know a little bit more about my heart and maybe my function in the body so you have a better understanding there. And then I'd like for you to get an, uh, maybe a basic understanding of where we're going. Okay, it's too early to give you a lot of concrete things, a lot of concrete details. But we can begin thinking in a particular direction. So... We're not going to be able to cover everything, um, but this is a good start. So how many know that perceptions are powerful, right? Even if it's not reality, what you perceive to be true is your truth. Even if it's not true, it's still a truth to you. And so one of the dynamics that I have found out is, uh, especially in the transition period, there are some words or beliefs that really trigger people. So if I talk about leadership, purpose, calling, vision, some people get really frustrated by those words. Revival, a lot of people don't like the word revival because it brings up, you know, excess or something negative from the past. And so one of the things that I'd like to do is, uh, if possible, everybody's filter, I wish we could take and rinse off. And I will start over. Okay, so our definitions of things, the way we think in this house, we're going to begin to, to explain what we believe with the words that we use. Okay? Wow. Let's try it again. One more time. So we're going to talk about the things that we believe and maybe explain those for how we want to think in this church. Okay? Thank you, guys. So um, <laughs> thank you, guys, uh, for, for hearing my heart in this. So I, I'm a guy who likes to be really honest and, uh, I like bringing things out of the shadows into the light. So there's a lot of things as we move forward as a church, we're going to talk about things that make people uncomfortable. Okay. So the things maybe that we don't want to talk about that we should, maybe it's cu cultural issues, maybe it's sin issues. We're going to bring those things out of the darkness so that we as a family can process, process those things together. And how many know we're an international church, we're a multicultural church, we're a generational church. And so there's a lot of dynamics that as a family, we're going to have to work through. So some things get messy, right? Right. Thank you. So one of the things that I wanted to share this morning is, is this. Everybody here has an idea of what this position is supposed to be as a lead, a lead pastor. And there are character things that, you know, we fight for and, and we want to make sure that, that, that we live out. But how many know that I am not pastor Walt? I am not pastor Doby who hired me. 
I am not Pastor Raphael in the church said. Amen. Amen. We only need one Pastor Raphael. So, but all of us, all of these men, just like you, we all have a different design, a different function, a different gifting, and a different calling. And so what I'm asking is that you'll let me be who God made me be. Okay? So one other thing, too, is uh, there's a lot of people that may have an idea our secret desire in their heart for what they want me or this church to be, right? So a lot of times if you get married, you go into marriage with this secret idea of who you want your spouse to be. And how many know a lot of times they cannot live up to that? It's impossible. Or you may not have lived up to that. Let's make it real, right? And so I'm hoping that in this next season, you'll, you'll let me kind of walk out who God has designed me to be. And one of the things that God brought back to or brought up this week is the, the scripture regarding David and Saul. David is listening as Goliath challenges Israel and God. He blasphemes God and challenges any man to take him on in a battle. And when David hears this, he is furious and he goes to King Saul and he says, I'll take him on. And uh, of course, you know, Saul says, but you're just a, just a kid. Let's go to the scripture. And he says, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. A better interpretation will be his armor. He put a coat of armor on him. Thank you. And a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. And here's what I'm wanting you to understand, is though there's an expectation on this, I'm asking you guys, give me permission to be the person that God has called me to be and to grow into this position. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm beginning to like y'all a lot better. We know that this position, you have to grow into it. But um, over the last couple of years, God has been very gracious and very specific in helping me understand my design or my call. And that's probably why I'm so passionate about you guys discovering that as well. Uh, I can remember, uh, I remember the place it was. I I called Lincoln Murdoch, didn't know him, but just uh, wanted to reach out to somebody to help me process life. And I called him, met him for lunch. And I just began to discuss the last decade of life, basically, because there were some things that I, I just didn't understand. I never seemed to fit in church. I didn't seem to think like a pastor and I didn't understand what it was. And I would approach things from a different angle. And I began to explain to him, you know, the last decade and and examples. and, and, And he just said, Jason, this is easy. He said, you're apostolic, not apostle, apostolic. It's a function. It's a grace. And he said, I have a book for you and I want you to read the book. And I remember getting the book and reading it. And you can ask Carissa, uh, It was like looking in the mirror for the first time. I began to see myself because for years I had gone, God, you made me wrong. 
Because I I'd look around our table or I'd hear pastors talk and I'd go, I don't understand. I would do it differently. And for the first time in my life, I began to understand, oh, this is the design. And so apostolic is more just about empowering people. I always talk about purpose and passion and empowering, developing. Um, apostolic is about planting churches. It's about uh, multiplying. It's about fathering. You know, I, I, the, one of the best seasons of my life was being able to lead youth ministry because I was able to be a father to an entire group of people. And I loved it. And so... Uh, I, part of the frustrations I sometimes see is in churches, we have lack of expression for ministry or opportunities or lack of response. For me, God has changed me, and I love when people are connected to God and they're moving and living their life in that, in that way. I love movement. So does Pastor Raphael. He's wired the same way. We love to see change. We love to see transformation. And, and in this next season, our job is to equip as many people to bring transformation to the world around us. Uh, I have a couple of statements I want to read you. So I have a vision statement. Um, and this is what the vision statement says. And it is very intentional. Every word was, was chosen, chosen very intentionally. My vision is transforming communities by empowering people to live intentionally with purpose and vision. So a community can be a family it can be a small group. It can be a men's ministry. It can be a church. It can be a region. It can be a nation. I want to see transformation take place, and we do it by empowering people with purpose and vision. How many know that, um, that God was very purposeful in how he designed the world? He was very purposeful in how he created the human body. He was very purposeful in all that he did. And so I want us to live accordingly. I want us to discover where our lane is and be very effective in that. Now, how do we go about this vision? For me, this is, this is my mission. I want you to know God. Okay, know is, is, is genosko. It's, it's, I don't know that that's pronounced correctly, but it means to, to be intimate. To have an intimate knowledge of God. Not a head knowledge of God. An understanding in your heart about God. Experiential is really what it is. To see and know the grace of God in your life. I want you to know your identity. Identity means relationship. If you're not connected to your heavenly father, then you're probably not living life according, like a, a loved son or a daughter, a forgiven son or a daughter. Okay? And so if you take care of these first two things, a lot of the issues in your life begin to fade. They don't go away, but they begin to fade. You begin to see things differently. The third step in this is I want to see you empowered. I want to see you equipped. I want to see you developed to discover what you have. The Bible says that every person has a gift. Every person has a grace on their life. And then the, the last part of that is when you know God, you know who you are, you understand what you have, then your job is to use it to bring transformation to the world around you. Okay? And so every person in this place has a call to God and a call from God. May not be to be on a platform, and that's fine. It's to live our life outside the church walls to bring change. So here's, here's the reason why I'm so passionate about that is because you are God's inheritance. You understand? He paid a price, He died for you. And everything about your life and everything that you do with your life and every impact that you make by your life is His. You guys with me? So, so even if it's the smallest thing, it's his, 
If you do great things for God or small things for God, it's his. And so we are passionate in order to get you ready to see that transformation take place. So I've never had this huge, compelling dream. I've always got frustrated by that. The only thing I think about consistently is that you know God and you live your life to make an impact in the world around you. So when we were going to do the multi-site, uh, last year I had it in, does anybody, what do you, 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 uh, what do you call it? Journal. Yeah, you can tell I don't journal, ever. <laughs> How many journal in here? Okay. Well, I don't journal either, but it's a, it's a good way to go back. I'm, I'm really impressed by the seven of you in here who do that. But it's really good to go back occasionally and find out what God was telling you or what you're going through. And I happened to write down in, in a journal just the things that I wanted to be a part of in a church. The things that were in my heart, but also what I want to be a part of. And here's what I said. I desire to see a thriving church that does not revolve around a Sunday morning only. Listen, I love Sunday morning church, but it's an hour and 15 minutes. And there's all this life to be lived outside the doors. I want to do life with people and not just ministry. I want to know and be known. And I think everybody in here does too. I want to be part of a developing, mentoring, and empowering culture. How many wish somebody would have taken the time to invest in you growing up? I want to be part, uh, I want people to be whole and experience healing even when it's messy. How many people know life is messy? How many know church is messy? How many know you're messy? Okay. I want people to know their true identity in Jesus and live from it. I want to be part of a movement. Listen, I, I love the fact that we meet here, but things that are healthy multiply. Things that are healthy multiply. And we want, it's, it's not just, and I'm not a numbers guy. But I am about life coming through people to bring change. And so we want to be able to multiply. Uh, I want to see a place where people can gather together throughout the week to learn, grow, and experience God. And then lastly, I want to do life with people while accomplishing big things. Solving problems, serving people, and believing for God's possibilities. Now, in a church like this, in a, in a church this size... Religious people don't like when we use the term big things. Seriously. Because it, it, somehow that's associated with pride. So I'm going to let somebody who is better qualified talk about big things. D.L. Moody said, if God is your partner, make your plans big. And D.L. Moody did some incredible things in the kingdom of God. I, the Bible just talks about, like Ephesians 3.20, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. That's the God we serve. But is that the, re, the, the results that we see? So I want to I dream bigger. I want to, to pursue bigger. I want to believe bigger. And I want to work in, in relation to that. So there's three things that any church or organization really needs to do in order to be effective and healthy. Three things. You need to know your convictions. You need to understand your culture. And you need to lay down perfect constructs. So we're going to talk about those in just a second. So convictions. How many know what a conviction is? Imagine Braveheart. 
freedom, right? He was willing to die. That, that was an awesome freedom, by the way. He was willing to die for his conviction. We have to define what the convictions are in this house. Because if not, we don't know exactly what we're doing. So convictions are the absolute musts. They're the why we do things. It's never just lip service. If these things do not happen, the church is pretending. Do you know your convictions? And are you living your convictions? With no true conviction, nothing will happen. Everything will stay the same. Okay? So here's how you begin to discover your convictions. Um, if you know what you want to see in a church and you're willing to pay the price to see that happen, or you're willing to be involved, that's a conviction. Okay? And everybody has an area that they usually have a conviction about. For some people, it may be worship. For some people, it may be serving. For some people, it may be listening to the word. But everybody has a conviction. Number two, culture. How many know that everywhere you go, you're entering into a culture? Okay, maybe not. So let me explain it. Your home, your house has a culture. If there's more than one person in there, there's a culture in there. If you go to a job, there's a culture, a work culture. If you go to a restaurant, there is a serving culture or a food culture. Culture are the, they're the shared beliefs and values of people that drive behavior. Culture is a filter that tells us what, what needs to be done, and it's the vehicle to get it done. So imagine you, you're a new person, and you see on the wall, and it says, the friendliest church in Omaha. But nobody talks to you. Nobody greets you. Nobody welcomes you. Nobody shakes your hand. Nobody hugs you. And nobody says goodbye when you leave. Is that the friendliest church in Omaha? No, it's not. They have a different culture than what they say they do. So your culture is like the smell of your house. You know, every, every house has a smell. Your, 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 your clothes smell like your house. And whether you know it or not, other people know how your, your house smells. Culture is the same thing. And so it's, it's, the, it's the behaviors, it's the actions that reinforce what kind of culture we want to be a part of. Well, I, I know there are a couple of things that I really want to see in our culture. I do want this to be the friendliest place. I do want this to be a welcoming place. I want this to be a responsive place. This is not the tombs of the dead. This is where people are alive because of Christ. I want an expectant culture. I can't wait. There's gonna, just going to be one service where we get up here and we just tell stories about what God's done. Because I, I serve a God who has impacted our life and has done some incredible things that there's an expectation. He doesn't always do it the way that I want it, but I know that he'll always be God. And I want to have an expectation that God can do anything at any time, any way he wants. So we have convictions, we have culture, and this last part is constructs, is systems and processes. It's the way things are done. It's how things are done. So connect, grow, serve, and go was a process. It is a process that we use. But here's the thing. We're not supposed to serve the process. The process is supposed to serve us. Now, is anybody a teacher? Or you're in health care? 
or you're in any situation where the rules have taken away from you actually doing the thing that you enjoy or that you're most passionate about. That's an example of a system actually impacting what you want to do. And in a church, we have to make sure the system reflects where we're going and what God wants to do. And so in some ways, we're going to relook at the system, systems and the processes and the way we develop people in order to go to that next place. You guys with me? Okay. So um, a system needs to reflect us and a system needs to be effective enough that it can be scalable. Okay. If we're, if we're going to multiply, that means that what are we, whatever we do needs to be effective so that we can see it done somewhere else. You with me? How many people would pay a lot of money for a product that doesn't work? Oh man, I can't wait to buy another round of that product that doesn't work, right? Our job is to find things that are effective for the system that we want to see to multiply, multiply and develop people. All right. You can look, actually look at these notes online. You can go to our, our website because there's too much to cover. And there's some other things in here that I don't have time to cover. So what I'm asking you guys to do is to pray with us. Pray that, that we begin to understand and define the convictions for this house. That we begin to lay out the culture that we want to see that connects our convictions and our constructs. And that we choose the constructs that allow us to multiply and not just add. Because a, a lot of growth comes from other churches. People don't like that church, now they come over here. People don't like our church, they go somewhere else. Well, we want to multiply. And we want to see the, the kingdom impacted. Okay. So here are some of the things that I do think are, they're not on the books yet, but things that I know that I have a conviction about. I really want to see our families healthy. So I want our marriages to be invested in. I want to see... Uh, our parents have the tools they need to parent well, especially in the culture that we're in now. It's a lot more complicated. All right, I didn't know if you guys got it down. Maybe you do. I, but the idea of family as a culture is something that I really want to be a part of. I don't want us just to show up and then go home. Family to me represents that we do life together. We walk through stuff together. We have access to people's lives. They were able just to be open and honest and talk about the mess. So for me, it's connection. It's real community, but it's commitment. It's commitment to where you are. It's commitment to walking you through stuff. It's commitment to, to praying you through. Don't you want to be a part of something like that? That to me is what family is supposed to represent. There's, there's another thing, multiplication. I want to see us multiply, but I'm, again, it's not about numbers to me. It's about the investment side. I want every person in here to discover who you are and to utilize it, to, to take your life and invest it in somebody else. So it's apprenticing and mentoring. It's that biblical mandate to disciple. It is leadership. Everybody in here has a leadership potential. As long as you have the ability to influence somebody else, you have leadership. It's empowerment and development. And then I think another thing, so we're Pentecostals, right? We're, we're spirit-filled. We love to see the power of God. So, you know, it, when, I, when I think of the Holy Spirit, 
there are four things that I think of, at least as minimized as I can. I want you to know the person of the Holy Spirit, power of the Holy Spirit, right? Gifts of the Spirit, and I want you developing the fruit of the Spirit. And sometimes we Pentecostals tend to focus on the power and the gifts and not the fruit. But discipleship is about developing the character and the fruit to sustain the gift. Okay? And so we've got to be able... We've got to be able to come up with metrics and measurements to go, here are the things that that are markers for maturity for Christianity. Are y'all with me? All right. Thank you. And listen, it's going to take a while to create this structure and to create these things, but we're going to be committed to it. But every person here has to engage in this. You have to find your place in the church and be able to invest in others. Ephesians 4, 1 says this, this is Paul speaking to the church as a prisoner for the Lord. Then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Every person in here, you're called every person in here. You're called to God and you're called from God to the world around you. You are his representative of his love and his power and his grace and his mercy in your life. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says this. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So God uses the the picture of a body and that every person in it is part of the body and has a role. Every person in here, you have a role in what God wants to do through this church. Everybody say with me, I have a role. Do you believe it? You do. It's true. So why are we sharing this? Because there are a couple of things. First, we've got to be able to do things a little differently in order for us to get to the the place God is calling us. So if we're going to be a, a, a church that disciples and multiplies, then we have to to change our plans to accommodate that. Remember when Pastor Walt said, we're going to do more in the next eight years than the previous 80. We can't, we can't see big change if we're going to do things the same way. So we got to be able to, to see it differently. The second thing is every change begins in our thinking. Every change in your life begins first in the way you think. So if you don't think you can lose the weight, You're not going to lose the weight. If you don't think it can be done, you won't put in the work. You have to begin to change the way you think in order to see the change in your life. So we need a new mindset. Here's one other thing, too, I'm going to challenge you on. Just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it can't be done. Just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it can't be done. It's funny. You know, there, there's the story of uh, the Wright brothers. And his, the, the, the dad of the brothers is the one that said man was not created for flight. And all the time the sons are creating a flying machine. <laughs> Same house, different mindset. And so just because we haven't seen it doesn't mean it can't be done. And here's what happens. As soon as we begin to go, God, we want to do this new thing, we automatically begin looking back to see what's been done. 
And that's not what God is saying. He's actually wanted. There's principles we can pull from. But when God wants to do something new, we look to him. And we go, God, what are you wanting to do? And, of course, we look to Scripture. So 1 Peter 4.10 says this. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, I intentionally used the King, New King James because they use the word manifold grace. So what does that mean? When I think of the church, this is what I think of. This is what I think of. So we went to an exponential conference. It's about multiplication, church multiplication. And they said, if you can't put your dream or your picture on a napkin, then you don't actually own it. And I sat down and I started to draw out what I believe God wanted to do in the church. And this is probably a couple of years ago now. And it's not this. Mine was a whole circle. But this represents every person in this room. That every person is moving in the kingdom, using what they have to bring his grace and his transformation to the world around you. Manifold, will you put that scripture, scripture back up? Manifold means multifaceted. And here's what I understand. Here's what I believe about God. That he can't be contained. He can't be expressed like for the, when we get into eternity, there is no end to God. There is no language that can explain God. There's no way to begin to comprehend God. And so how he begins to reveal himself to the world is uniquely through him, uniquely through you. It's a reflection of what you know about him. So it'll always be a little different. So that's why we have to have more people than just a preacher up here. Every person in every life has to preach. Because what you discover about him is what he reveals to the world about himself. And every person is unique and individual and different. And he'll reveal something new and unique and different through you. Are y'all with me? You matter. And you matter to God. And you matter to be engaged in what he wants to do. Who do I need to throw this at in order to get the point across? Good catch. So one of the things that we're going to do is, is we want to develop people. We want to empower people. We use words like that. But really, some people don't have the tools. Some people don't have the understanding. Some people don't have the knowledge. Some people still have issues. Get in line. We all have issues. But we want to see God wants you to know him and then to move through your life. When uh, one of the flights that we've taken um, in the last couple of years, I remember being in the plane and we were coming back at night. And I love looking out and, and just looking at the landscape. And most of the time it was dark. You could see, you know, some things here and there. But when you came over a small town or a city, the lights were on. And it, it was really just fascinating to me to see, you know, how bigger cities and, and how there were lights everywhere. And then you had little towns and, and there weren't as many lights. And I felt like the Lord said, good news is a power station. That what God wants to do in here will impact the world out there. And that where there is no light, good news will be a a power source to bring light to the places of darkness. 
And we have to begin thinking in that regard. As much as I love people getting, getting people in here, what we do out there is what matters. And this, this church, I'm telling you, is a regional church. We'll touch the region and we'll touch the nations. So here's, a, here's something I want you to think about. What if 20% of our church actually apprenticed or mentored? What if 20% of our church actually came along somebody and said, hey, life on life, let's walk this thing out for a year. How do you think the church would change? How do you think you would change if somebody came alongside you? So just, we're we're about 2,000 people, roughly about 1,800 people. I'm not good at math, so we're just going to say, but that's about 380 people. If 25% actually engaged in this. That's about 380, 400 people that would apprentice. Do you think multiplication would happen? Do you think your marriage would have been better if somebody who was married came alongside and helped you? Would you be further along in your Christianity and know him better if somebody came alongside and said, hey, I know the way, come on, I'll show you. There has to be a place where the the 60-year-olds and the 50-year-olds and the 40-year-olds are reaching back and going, hey, I know the way. I know all the places where I messed up. But I know how to get you there. That's what we need to see. So every person has a role in that. I'm going to ask you to stand. We have a a, a saying as leaders. And it's get in, get out, or get out of the way. Get in, get out, or get out of the way. And good news, I want you to get in. I want you to help us pray. I want you to help us figure out this new blueprint that God wants to do through this church. We're going to see transformation take place, but we need a whole generation that are discipled and empowered to use what God has given them in the world around them. So I'm asking that you'll pray for the staff. I'm asking that you'll pray for the direction, but I'm really asking that you'll pray, what's my role? God, what is my role in this new season of good news? What are you asking me to do? And if you'll consistently do this, he'll show you. It'll be really clear. Am I alive? Yes, I am. I, this hasn't happened in any other service, and I can't get away from it, so we're just going to do it. Can I pray? Yeah, absolutely. There's something specific that I sense God wants to speak to, specifically this service, and it is in the way of your creative thinking. And, and I'm there thinking, ooh, the Lord is saying, there's so many in here right now that I have given them resources, that I have equipped them, that I have given them skills and abilities, and they're not using my creativity to influence the world around them. So there's some of you in here, you may be an electrician, you may be a doctor, you may be a lawyer, you may be an engineer, you may be a, a construction worker, and God has specifically equipped you. He has strategically positioned you to do something that nobody else can do. There are people in, in the spheres, in, in your world, in your sphere of influence that I don't have influence of, that Pastor Jason doesn't have influence over. So right now, God was asking me, hey, will you please, please pray for my creativity to be awakened in my people? So can we do that right now? If that, if I, I just, what I just said speaks to you, just lift your hand so I may know who's praying with me. God, we thank you so much that you are the most creative 
being in all of the universe, God, that you created things that we can't yet comprehend, that you created things that on this side of heaven we will never comprehend, God. And I declare, God, for creativity to be releasing your people i pray god that every single one of us would think of creative ways to impact our sphere of influence god in the name of jesus we thank you and trust you in jesus name amen thank you brother so i'm just asking you guys to pray pray for the weeks and months to come as we work really hard to define some of these things and then pray that God would utilize what you have. I'm just telling you, church, we have not even scraped the surface. I know it seems like we've talked about this forever, but very soon we're going to begin implementing some of the changes that we want to see. And you're part of that. God bless you. We love you. If you need prayer, the, the altars are open, but love you guys. Pray for us. We pray in Jesus name. Amen.